Matthew chapter 2 and verse 1. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? It's an interesting phrase, isn't it? Where is he that is born king of the Jews? This man was not from Israel. He was from the east, from eastern countries, probably Persia, perhaps. But he was from the east, but he came asking that who would be born king of the Jews. For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. He, didn't, he wasn't looking toward the east when he saw his star. They were in the east and they saw his star. We have seen the star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. So these, this news that they came and they were looking and inquiring about this king that had been born, it was troubling not only to the king, Herod, but it was troubling to the entire city. So the rumor mill is stirred up. A lot of people are talking about it. And when, when he, Herod, when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. So we're talking about they knew, and I, I know I'm kind of going slow as I read this, but I just want to kind of get everybody on board of what was taking place. Herod did, may not have known where the Messiah would be born, but he knew who knew. And that's the chief scribes and the scribes and priests, and he got these people together, and he says, where is the Messiah going to be born? Where's Christ going to be born, the anointed one? And they said unto him, in Bethlehem of Judea. Now they're in Jerusalem. But in Bethlehem of Judea, which is only about six miles away or so. For thus it is written by the prophet, and, and they quoted from the book of Micah. This is the quote. And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee, out of that city, out of Bethlehem, out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people, Israel. So, in other words, he would be born in Bethlehem. Then Herod, when he had probably called the wise men, he called these wise men in, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem. Herod sends them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child, and when you found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, not into the stable, when they were come into the house, man, the Bible can just throw off throw just a wrench in so many things that we know and believe are true, right? Not at the manger scene. When they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. When they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Father, we thank you for your word tonight and we pray that, Lord, you would just speak to us tonight as only you can. We pray that you would. We pray that 
you'd give us something that would not only help us understand the Bible more and understand you more, but also understand ourselves better. We pray for that. Help us to respond to what you'd have us to do. We need you to work in our hearts, and we pray that you would. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. The phrase in the Bible is the wise, these wise men, the, the Greek, taken from a Greek word, magi, which is kind of like a magician, but they weren't really like magicians we think of, more like philosophers or astrologers. And the Bible takes up there in Matthew chapter 2 where they came to Jerusalem from the eastern countries, maybe Persia, doesn't really matter, and, and, and what their background in, there's some possibilities, but again, for the purpose of the lesson tonight, it, it, they're just from countries to the east, from the east of Israel. And, uh, and what was their purpose? It says very clearly in their purpose in verse 2, and that is they came because they wanted to see he that is born king of the Jews. They knew they were looking for a small child who was destined to rule, who would be the king of the Jews. And it's clear that, uh, that they had connections as far as the prophecies concerning the coming Messiah. They knew, I mean, they, these very, very likely were Gentiles and not Jews. <clears throat> but they knew that there was a Messiah coming, a promised deliverer for Israel. And so they came to see this. They followed, the Bible says, his star in verse 2. For we have seen his star in the east. I don't know if you've noticed, um, I was thinking about this the last few days, about 4.30 in the morning, the last several days, there is a star as you look toward the east that is about 10 times brighter than any of the other stars that are out. And that's, uh, for you young people, in the morning, that's 4.30, it's like, it's still dark at that time, you may not know much about that time of the day, but anyway, uh, it's, uh, but when I look at it, I think about this star that they saw. And so they saw this, they knew it was an unusual star. They knew it was a unique star. They knew that, and they wanted to follow this star. And they were, and what was their purpose in coming? They would come, <coughs> in verse 2, we, and are come to worship him. Now it's possible that they were influenced by Balaam's words over in Numbers chapter 24. We're not going to turn and look to that. But if you look at, if you're taking notes, write that down. Numbers 24, 17, you could look at that. Because he, he prophesied about the, uh, the coming of the Messiah. But in, in either case, in verse 3, <coughs> when Herod heard about it, he was not excited. Why? Because Herod is the king. And Herod being the king uh, was not really thrilled that there was another king. One that would be born that would become a king. And so he's, he's excited about it and there's a stir about all about it in verse for naturally because they came looking for the one who would be the king of the Jews, which was the promised Messiah, the deliverer. And so they begin to inquire about where Christ should be born. Where would this Messiah, this deliverer, the anointed one, where would he be born? And so they found out based on the testimony of Micah chapter 5 and verse 2 that he would be born in Bethlehem, just a few miles away. And so... Herod sent them to go and find him. And, and, and of course, you know, being a politician, you believe everything that he said. 
And he says that if you find him, let me know that I may come and worship him also. He had other plans rather than worship him. But he sends these wise men to go and find him. And then in verse 10, they saw the star. They, you know, you can kind of just put your imagination uh, to work and, and wonder what it means when it says, when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Joy. I mean, to me, that means they were pretty excited about it. They were pretty happy about it. They were over the top thrilled that they were going to find out where he was. Then verse 11 brings us to them actually coming in and finding and seeing Jesus Christ, the child, the young child, and Mary is there, and they fall down and worship him and open up their treasures, and they presented unto him gifts. And so... Um, they're excited about it. Herod's upset about it. Matter of fact, if you read further into the chapter in verse uh, 16, we see how Herod felt about all this. It says, Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceeding wroth and sent, for, and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and in all the coasts thereof from two years old and under. According to the time which he inquired, diligently inquired of the wise men. So he wanted to make sure, he put, a t- he put an age on, he wanted to make sure that the Christ child would be killed. But he was, he was very angry about what was taking place. He didn't want a king. He didn't want any competition. And by the way, these Jewish leaders, they didn't want a king either. They're the ones that eventually crucified Jesus Christ, these religious elitists, they didn't want a king. But Jesus is a king. Would you agree with that? He is a king. Whether you want him to be a king, he is a king. And, uh, and I, I would ask you the question. I want you to answer it in your own mind. Don't have to answer it out loud. But do you want a king? You know, I think people want to, they want a fire escape from hell sometimes, but they don't really want a king. But Jesus is a king. That means he rules, right? He rules and reigns. He's in charge. He, he makes decrees. He rules in our hearts. And so we see the wisdom of these wise men, obviously, in their recognition of his identity and their adoration of the king. And he presents unto, uh, they present unto him in verse 11 gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And I want us tonight, kind of goes along with the kids' song earlier, you know, just put, put yourself in those in the place of these wise men, and ask yourself this question. What, what might we give to Jesus? I thought about the, 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 the dilemma that people find themselves in sometimes. You know, what do you give someone who has everything? I mean, what do you give Jesus? What are you going to give him? He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He made the earth. He made the stars. He made everything that is. The wind, the winds and the waves obey him. He tells the wind when to blow. The earth is his and everything in the earth. Angels serve at his beck and call. I mean, what are you going to give someone who owns everything, who has everything? What are you going to give someone? These, these wise travelers journeyed for hundreds of miles through the barren desert to worship the king. And they were excited to find him. I'd be excited to find him too, wouldn't you? But they didn't just want to see him. They didn't want to just get their picture made with him, right? They, didn't, they just didn't want to come and say, I was there. 
They didn't just come to get his autograph. They came to worship him. And they came to bring gifts to him. They came to bring gifts to him. And they were excited. I emphasized that earlier in verse 10. They were rejoicing because they found the Messiah. You know, you can learn from people in the Bible. If, if, if these people were so passionate about finding Jesus that they were overcome with joy because they found him, we could learn some things from people in the Bible. And they worshipped him. They, look what it says in verse 11. They, they fell down and worshipped him. They bowed before him. They bowed before him in reverence and humility. They were recognizing his worth. They were recognizing his value. And they gave him gifts. They opened their treasures. These are valuable things. They've carried them a long distance. They gave them these valuable treasures. I said this morning that, that uh, we ought to emphasize all that God has given to us. God is such a gracious God. Such a gracious giver. He gives us richly all things to enjoy. And God doesn't need anything we have, right? Do you, do you really think for a moment that you've got something that God can't manage without? I mean, what, what, is, what do I have that God needs? So don't think for a minute that God can't make it without us. God did fine for millions of years before there ever was a man or a woman. Do you believe that? And millions of years before that, he was managing well too. God, God, don't feel like God needs you, but I'll tell you, we need to give ourselves to God. And God wants us to do that. The words of that song we heard earlier, what I have to give to you cannot be bought or sold. It can't be wrapped up in a box or tied with strings of gold. It isn't perfect and you'll see it isn't even new. But Jesus is the only treasure I can give to you. Me. My gift is me. All I am and all I'll ever be. You know, I believe when they gave their treasures, it was, a, it was, a, it was, for, it was something for us to think about. You know, we... We don't, want to be, we don't want to be guilty of just sort of giving God the leftovers. You know what I'm saying? If we have a little time left over, we'll give it to God. You know, if we have a little money left over at the end of the month, we'll give it to God. You know, God deserves our very best. God wants, and, and really what God wants is us, and that's our treasure. I, and I believe this. I believe that your treasure is you. People, people sometimes will even give their money, but they won't really give him their life. They'll give him their service, but they won't really give him their life. And I'm not, a, I'm not saying we shouldn't, you know, we, ought to, we shouldn't micromanage everything we do to make sure everything is exactly in order and our motives are all together perfect. But I'm telling you, there's something more important than just giving God a dime out of every dollar. And that is important, but I'll tell you what it is, just give him your life. Recognize him as the king. He's the Lord. Jesus, you're the greatest gift the world will ever know. 
coming down from heaven just to live your love below. With all that you have done for me, the least that I can do is give all that I know of me to all that I know of you. There's a lot about God I don't know. Can I be honest with you? There's a lot about me that I probably don't know. But if you would give everything you know of you to everything you know of him, that'd be a great gift. My gift is me. Of all the gifts man could give, it's nice to know that I can give his favorite gift, the one that thrills him so. Me. My gift is me. All I am and all I'll ever be. I'm not ashamed for the world to see that it's me. My gift is me. You know, it may not always be popular and it's not always easy, but the wisest, talking about these wise men, the wisest thing you and I can do with our life is to give it to Him. Give Him your life. We, we struggle sometimes with things He wants us to give Him. We struggle because He wants to direct the friends that we have. By the way, a king should be able to do that. We struggle because we don't really want to give Him our music our music listening habits. We like to keep certain things for ourselves. We don't want to give money to missions, which is the closest thing to the heart of God there is. Me, give money to God for missions? Why do we hesitate to do that? Why would, we, why would you hesitate to do that? Why do we hesitate to give God a few minutes every day just to read our Bible and pray and meditate on His truth. In the small group that I'm privileged to be a part of with the teenage boys, the young men, we've had some really good comments about the struggles of reserving a certain amount of our day just for God. There are people in this room that are not teenagers and you struggle with the same thing. We have time for social media. We have time for the things we enjoy. But somehow we just, God's time sort of gets left out. You know what fixes a lot of that? I'm not saying it fixes all of it, but fix a lot of it when we just give, our, give God us. You see, it's His time, it's His money. And God doesn't just want us to give him a little here. He wants us to give him us. And I, I don't think it's hard to, I don't really think it's that complicated or hard to understand. It's just a step that some people aren't willing to take. I want to decide what my career is going to be. I want to decide what my priorities are going to be. I want to decide who I'm going to spend the rest of my life with. I'll give God a couple of hours a week and I'll go to church, but I know God wants you. 
God wants you. And if you're like I am, you, you probably think, well, what would God want with me? That's the way I feel. What would God want with me? But God made us that we would be like his servants, his subjects. He's king. He's the king. Giving ourselves like these wise men, giving ourselves, I think, is one of the greatest acts of worship there is. They came to worship him. I mean, they, can you imagine these guys coming into this room, coming into this house? I mean, they didn't, they didn't come in and just stand around, you know, checking their phones and see what, what's going on in the world, distracted, preoccupied. They, did, they, had one, they had one focus of their attention, and that's that young child. They came to worship him. They fell down before him and worshiped him. And, and listen... If I'm wrong about this, forgive me, but I think one of the greatest things you could do to worship God is to give Him you. God, I just want to give you me. All that I know, the best I know how about what I know about me, what I know about you, I just want to give you me. And you know what? I don't think a person, I think a person needs to do that one time, but I don't think a person needs to do it just one time. Almost every Christmas, I have one of these. Me, I give you me times. And I know Jesus wasn't born on December the 25th. I know it's not really his birthday. I mean, so I don't, I don't ever say, I'm, I want to give you a birthday present. But with all this gift giving going on, in the name of the one who gave so very, very much for us, I think it's good sometimes just to say, just think about this. Just think about what if you were to get someplace alone and quiet, away from everybody and everything, and just had an honest talk with yourself and an honest talk with God. And just say, God, I don't know why you'd want me, but I want to give you me. As best I know how, I want to put my life in your hands. I'm not talking about just getting saved. I'm probably, if you hadn't done that, you ought to do that. But I'm just talking about making sure he's in charge. Making sure that your life is surrendered to him. Because it's because the Christian life is not about, it's not just about obligations and pledges and duties and even doctrines, all that stuff. But the Christian life is about your relationship to the Lord, your personal relationship to the Lord. We can learn from these wise visitors from the East. They came to worship and they came bringing gifts and that's my challenge to you tonight put yourself in their place come before him bow before him and open 
this box of treasure, which is you. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. So you could could be stripped of all of your wealth, all of your friends, all of your possessions, all of your reputation. You could be stripped of everything, but the thing that would still be left if you were stripped of everything would be you. And that's what he wants. He wants you. He wants you.